0: In an art gallery in Florence, Italy, as you walk in there, there are two paintings side by side. And as you look at them from a distance, they look alike. And you would wonder who would paint two paintings and who would make a decision to put two paintings that look alike next to each other. But then in closer examination, you're going to discover that they really are a contrast. One painting has a picture of a stormy sea. ...with wild waves, and there is lightning flashing in the sky. And then, in the midst of this raging water, you see a face of a man, obviously drowning, with a picture of despair and horror expressed on his face. The painting right next to it shows an ocean, the same kind of ocean... Tossed with an equally violent tempest, but in the midst of the water is huge rock against which those white capped breakers dash in vain. In the cervix of this boulder, you see a pigeon sitting in her nest, quiet, serene, peaceful, in the midst of the wild fury of the element." Peace in the midst of the storm is the title of that painting. Peace is the desire of all peoples. Peace is on the lips of every politician around the world. Peace is what the heart wants. In fact, it was President Ford in his book, A Time to Heal, tells a story that took place during the Civil War in Greece in 1948. A villager was planning to immigrate to the United States. But before he left his village, he met with his weary, beleaguered, poverty-stricken neighbors. And he said to them, what do you want me to send you from the United States? Should I send you food? Should I send you money? Should I send you clothing? No, said one of his wise neighbors, if you can, send us a ton of peace. Peace of mind is what all people long for, and yet it seems to elude most of them. Most people identify with the painting where the man is drowning than they do with the pigeon in her nest in the cervix of the boulder. Yet our Bible is a Bible of peace. Our Bible opens with peace and closes with peace. There was peace and tranquility in the Garden of Eden, Before the fall. And then it closes with peace and tranquility in the book of Revelation with the heavenly Jerusalem coming down. But somehow, in the midst, in the pages between those two covers, there is war and stories of war and a constant war. It is not because God has waged war against humanity, no. But the reason humanity is filled with war because humanity has waged war against God. God created angels. And the brightest and the brightest of them, with one-third of them, have rebelled against God. They've declared war against God, and they were thrown into the abyss. God created a man and a woman. They both conspired, and they declared war against God. And now we have both Satan, together with the fallen humanity, seem to be fighting with God, the God of peace. And they are fighting for sovereignty and for control. But I want to tell you that when the world talks about peace... Listen to me carefully, please. When the world talks about peace, the world is not talking about the biblical peace. They are not talking about the peace of God. They are not talking about the peace that passes understanding. They are not talking about the peace that does not make sense. They are talking about truce. Truce that is declared in order to give people time to reload their weapons, to fight again. Because the Hebrew word shalom does not merely mean absence of war, but rather it means a total well-being of mind, of heart, of soul, and spirit. Shalom does not merely mean the absence of hostility, but rather having victory over hostility. Shalom does not merely mean just absence of war, but it is that divine quality that gives calmness and serenity in the midst of the storms and the turmoils of life. Shalom, humanly speaking, is that unexplainable confidence in the midst of fear and in the midst of terror. Shalom is that supernatural quality, is that supernatural assurance in the midst of uncertainty and in the midst of confusion. That's what biblical peace is all about. Our world is constantly emphasizing self. Listen, you don't have to look very far in the commercials, in the news. Everywhere you turn, self, self, self. It is in destruction. It is in all. It is taught in the schools. But I want to tell you one thing about that philosophy. Peace that God gives is greater than all the peace that the world talks about. When you place self first... You're going to have one simple little problem. Jot it down if you want to, because I don't want you to forget it. Whenever the self comes first, peace comes last. Whenever self comes first, you will harvest strife. You will harvest division. You will harvest hatred, and you're going to harvest war. And the seventh beatitude, in a series of sermons entitled The Master's Manifesto, the seventh beatitude is an invitation of the Prince of Peace. To all the disciples of Jesus Christ to be imitators of their heavenly daddy. God wants His disciples, wants His children to be ambassadors for His peace. Not the world's peace. He wants His children to be messengers of His peace. He wants His children to be envoys of peace. But we cannot do that unless we have received His peace. In fact, it was C.S. Lewis who said, God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself. There is no such thing. And you can have all the peace conferences in the world without the peace of God. It is merely truce." Now, I want to divide this beatitude into three segments. First of all, I want to talk to you about the tariff of peace. Then I want to talk to you about the truth in relationship to peace. And thirdly, I want to tell you about the price of peace. The Apostle Paul delineated to us the tariff of peace, the cost of peace, the price of peace. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 19, the Apostle Paul said that Jesus made peace. How? At any price? No. Jesus made peace with His bloodshed on the cross. That is the tariff of peace. That is the price of peace. God's peace has a price. God is the God of peace and He Himself paid the price of that peace. God wants His people to be peacemakers. But God's word tells us that peace ain't cheap. That peace is not without cost. That peace is always has a price the price of God's provision for our peace with Him and our reconciliation with Him and that we can be able to come and call Him Heavenly Daddy, the price for that was the blood of His own begotten Son. When God wanted to break the barrier between us and Himself, He had to give His most prize. He had to give His most treasured possession, His own begotten Son, to hang on a cross. Listen to me very carefully, please. When you and I try to break any barrier that has been erected by sin, that has been erected by disobedience, there is a tariff that it has to be paid. When sin erects a barrier between us and God, repentance is that tariff. When sin erects a barrier between a husband and wife, as the enemy would love to do. Vulnerability and asking for forgiveness is the tariff for peace. When sin builds a wall between two believers, humility and confession is the tariff for peace. For any peace to occur, there is a price that has to be paid. Sometimes that price is vulnerability and brokenness, which our pride makes us recoil from. Sometimes the price is submission and surrender when we don't feel like it. Sometimes the price is obedience when we don't want to obey. But to be a peacemaker is to be willing to pay the price for building the bridge. To be a peacemaker is to be willing to pay the price for making peace and taking the blame. To be a peacemaker is to be willing to pay the price for reconciliation. You know, in Jewish weddings, they take a glass and they lift it up high and they let it fall. And it drops to the ground and is shattered into atoms. And pointing to the fragments, the couple is exhorted to guard jealously the sacred relationship into which they have entered. Why? Because they believe that once it's fractured, it can never be restored again. But here we live in the New Testament. When Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. And therefore we know that a fractured relationship can be restored again and again and again. Amen belongs here. For at the cross, all of humanity's hatred. At the cross, all of humanity's anger. Were vented against God. At the cross. Through pain and through agony of God looking down upon His only begotten Son, the pure and holy dying for sinners, God brought peace. At the cross, through the shedding of that innocent blood, we were able to be reconciled to God the Father. No wonder, even in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 32 and verse 17, it tells us that the work of righteousness is peace. Listen to what Jesus said to the disciples in John 16, He said, these things I've spoken to you, that in me, in the Lord Jesus Christ, and only in him, you may have peace. In the world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good courage, for I have overcome the world. And that is why the one who does not belong to Jesus Christ can neither have peace, not be at peace, or be a peacemaker. And it is my prayer today, if there's one person, if two people, three people, anyone who's here today, who has not experienced that peace with God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ, that this will be your decision today. The tariff of peace. But secondly, the truth and peace. Peace at any price is not the biblical peace. When God's truth is compromised, what you're going to have is a phony peace is a shadow of peace, is a pale approximation of peace. (laughs) I read about a small city in southeast of France. The citizens called the police to come to open a door in a university dorm, and because they heard in that room some noise, some clatter and some shouting and argument, and and the police came, and they opened the door, and they found the windows are broken, and the furniture is overturned, and the curtain is torn down, and, and one man was dying, and the other one was dead. And the dying man, as they were hauling him out, he whispered. He said, we are two doctors of philosophy. We had agreed on our desire for world peace. But we have disagreed somewhat on the proper methods of attaining world peace. (laughs) People can stop fighting without truth and righteousness. But people cannot live peaceably without righteousness and truth. When truth is applied, it will not only put an end to conflict, but it will also administer healing of love. The peace of God, which is based upon God's truth, will not only stop war, but it will produce joy. The peace of God, which is based upon God's own truth, will not only expose sin, but it's going to produce goodness and righteousness. Man's peace is only a cessation of hostility. But God's peace is building of unity. Man's peace is only a cold war. But God's peace is warm friendship. Man's peace is only a temporary truce. But God's peace is a permanent tranquility. Why? Because God's peace is built upon God's truth. Write it down. God's peace can only be built on God's truth. What do I mean by that? Listen carefully. Until hatred is resolved, disagreement will only go underground. Until jealousy is dealt with, fighting will only be put temporary on hold. Until selfishness is confronted, enmity will break out again and again. And again, I want you to listen to what James said, describing the wisdom of God. When James said in 3.17, he said, it is pure. First is pure, then peaceable. It cannot be peaceable without first being pure. Are you then surprised that Jesus, when he gave his manifesto, tells us, blessed are the pure in heart first, and then goes down to say, Blessed are the peacemakers. Purity first, then peace. Integrity first, then peace. Honesty first, then peace. Any other form of peace without the truth is not really peace of God. It is not the peace of God. Any two people, whether they are believers or not believers, any two people cannot be at peace until they expose the wrong attitudes toward the truth of God. Any two people cannot be at peace with each other until they expose the cause of conflict in the light of God's truth. For the psalmist said, righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Hear me right. No matter how much we try to bring harmony into a situation, Try as you may, you will not succeed if it is built on compromise of God's truth. And if you try, you're going to forfeit both. I tell you, I occasionally confess to you, I have people who come to me and I don't know where they get off. But I have people come to me and they say, Yusuf, if you would just cool it down a little, we would appeal to these folks over here. If you would just go easy on that group or that sin or that thing, we will be able to attract this group of people. If you would only soften your tone down, we would bring so-and-so into the church. Let me tell you what I tell them to save your trip. I love you with all my heart. God gave me a pastor's heart. I didn't necessarily want it. But I have one judge. I have one Lord. I have one master. I have only one measurement for truth and it is God's word. And if preaching the truth will not bring some folks into the church, God bless them where they are. God did not call me To entice people to come to church, he called me to preach his peace based upon his truth. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, Do not think that I have come to bring peace unto the earth, but sword. Now some knuckleheads run around and say, looking for contradiction in the Bible, said, aha, ha! ha." contradiction, see? In chapter 5, he said, blessed are the peacemakers. And in chapter 10, he said, I didn't come to bring peace. Here's a contradiction in the Bible. The only contradiction they have is between their ears. There's no contradiction here. There's nothing contrary about this. The peace that Jesus came to bring is not peace at any price. There has to be a resistance before peace can come in. There has to be opposition before harmony becomes reality. There has to be a strife before God's peace will rule and dominate. To be a peacemaker on God's terms, not on man's terms. You must be a peacemaker on God's term of truth and righteousness, which the world rejects, the world doesn't like, the world calls that extremism, the world calls this fanaticism, the world calls this intolerance. But that's the only peace that's worth the name. It is like a surgeon's scalpel. Scot- it must cut before it heals. I have my daily reading. My daily devotion, I go through Scripture every year. And I've been reading through Jeremiah in the last couple of weeks and, and Ezekiel. <laughs> and it will now warm your heart. <laughs> and here's Jeremiah talking about the judgment of God. And all the corrupt religious leaders of Jeremiah's day, like the liberals of our days, who are grunting around and saying, peace, 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 peace. And Jeremiah said, there is no peace. There are liberals running around saying, everybody's going to make it, everybody's going to make it. You don't have to believe in Jesus. But I want to tell you, when you end up in the day of judgment, it's going to be too late. Jeremiah's message of judgment wasn't very popular, but I want to tell you it was God's truth, and therefore judgment came, not peace. Jesus never evaded error. Jesus never evaded wrong lifestyle. He never winked at sin when he confronted the samaritan woman first of all he confronted her with her sinful lifestyle and then he corrected her about her information about her knowledge of worship and then he said to her my father wants people who worship him in truth and spirit not people who go to the right places of worship to be seen now that's a use of translation but you'll understand what i mean The tariff for peace, the importance of truth in peace, and thirdly, the trophy of peace. Those who are peacemakers shall be called the children of God. That's what Jesus said. They shall be recognized by their daddy's characteristics. They shall be called daddy's boy and daddy's girl. And like your daddy, who is peace and a peacemaker, you too. When you help spread the gospel of peace, you are a peacemaker. You are a child of God. The Lord gave me an incredible revelation this week that just tore me up. The parent who is worthy of a title parent loves his children more than his own life. And God loves his children. He loved them more than his life that he died for them. God loves his children today as he loved Israel of old. Because the church is the new Israel of God, according to Paul, when told to the Galatians. The church is the holy nation, according to the apostle Peter. All the promises of the Old Testament have now become fulfilled in the churches and become our promises to claim. And therefore, when God says to his people, You are the apple of my eye, God is saying that to you today, that you are the apple of God's eye. Yeah, the apple of the eye is that cornea of the eye, which is the most sensitive part of the body, I'm told, but is also the most protected. And that is how God sees his children is most sensitive about his children. He is most protective about his children. And those who attack God's children, they do not know it now, but they are poking God in the eye. And when Jesus appeared to Saul of Tarsus later to become the Apostle Paul, he did not confront him on his way to Damascus when he was going to kill Christians and murder Christians and imprison Christians. He did not say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting the church? No, he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? According to Psalm 56 and verse 8, God puts the tears of his children in a bottle. It is an expression through which God wants every one of us to know that there's not a drop of our tears that is not important to God. Don't ever, please, I plead with you. Don't ever take the privilege of calling the creator of the universe, Daddy. Don't ever take that for granted. And as we seek to be peacemakers, as we seek to be reconciling men and women to God, and as much as possible, says the Apostle Paul, live at peace with everybody, sometimes we're going to find that people may treat us the same way they treated our Lord. Sometimes we're going to discover that they will misunderstand us and that they will not honestly seek the truth and they may condemn us and even crucify us. But I want you to remember this, that while hatred blinds, love enlightens While hatred always feels victimized, love seeks victory over victimization. The people of war will always throw stones at us, but the peacemakers are going to pick up those same stones and they're going to put it down and build the bridge for the peace of God. The people of war will come to us with a sword, but the peacemakers are going to disarm them with love and they beat the swords into plowsheds. The people of war will always throw spears, but the peacemakers will always put it into pruning hooks. Peacemakers do not avoid the battle. Listen carefully. Peacemakers do not avoid the battle. But by the power of God's Holy Spirit, they will triumph in the battle. Do you have war at home? Do you have war inside of you? The armies are fighting there. Do you have war at work? Do you have war in your heart? Your heavenly daddy wants you to have peace. And be a peacemaker. He wants you to be like him. Will you ask him today? The tariff of peace. God might be calling you to pay a price for peace. The truth and peace. God might be requiring you to tell the truth and say things that the world may not accept. But always remember there's a trophy for peace. You will be a child of God. In this holy moment of decision, if the Spirit of God has been like a hammer shattering away at the hard shell please let him if it's like a surgeon's knife that's cutting away please let him if he's bringing you under conviction something you need to do someone you need to call put your pride under the blood and humble yourself please for Jesus sake do it Heavenly Father we were every one of us Enemies of the cross. Every one of us at some point have declared war against you. But your love has overpowered us. Your love has overcome us. Your love has brought us to your kingdom. We thank you. Teach us to be like you, teach us to be peacemakers that we stand with the truth and for the truth, but reach out with love. In that precious and mighty name that we pray, in Jesus the Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.